this week we'll talk about being a solopreneur. I don't know if I pronounced it correctly. Do I? Solopreneur? Like entrepreneur? Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and we have a special guest today, Noah. So Noah is a founder of Pragmatic AI Labs. He lectures at a number of universities that is very long to now read. Uh, well, how many of them? 10? <laughs> like it's quite a lot. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So Noah is a teacher in a number of universities. And then he also teaches not just university. He teaches machine learning, MLOps. Uh, he's also, he wrote a couple of books. Uh, not a couple, more than that. But we will go into that uh, during today's conversation. So Noah was also a former CTO, individual contributor, consultant. He has over 20 years of experience shipping, revenue, generating products in many industries, including films games and SaaS. And I think I saw your post from LinkedIn when you, did you take part in Spider-Man? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I worked at uh, Sony Imageworks and we, we, we did Spider-Man, Superman, Chronicles of Narnia. I, I really love Sony, Sony Imageworks, which was probably the best company I've ever worked at. Yeah, cool. So welcome to our event. Hey, happy to be here. Yeah. So before we go into our main topic of being a solopreneur, let's start with your background. Can you tell us about your career journey so far? Yeah. So my background is I have probably not a replicatable career, but I'll tell you my background is I started growing up in Southern California. My dad worked in the television industry. And so he had a television production company. And so I would go with him when I was 10 years old and, and actually be the sound person or lighting person, editing. So I learned a lot of that stuff early on. And then uh, I eventually actually was an editor for ABC Network News in Hollywood. Uh, so I'd drive into work and, and, and edit the news, <laughs> which at 18 was just like crazy, like really, really crazy. Uh, and, and, I, and I was offered a full-time job, but I decided to go to college instead. So that was kind of a different life. Then I went to I was always very interested in sports and I had a you know, period of time where I, where I seriously wanted to either be Olympic athlete or you know, professional baseball player, a basketball player or a, a, a track athlete. So I had this whole period of time where like I was tempted by it and I, and I studied nutritional science in, in college. And then after that, I decided to grow up and uh, get a real job. <laughs> so, so then I got a job at Caltech and worked there for a few years. And then I got a master's in at Cal State LA, so the public school right next door. I would go there at night, um, you know, do classes in, in uh, information systems, which is, I guess, kind of similar to data science today. And then uh, because, you know, at the time when you, most people know this in a university, you don't make a ton of money. It was really cool. I met some really, really smart people there that I know even today, but uh, I didn't you don't want to make more money, right? Like, so I, so I, 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 I knew that I had all this experience with TV and I combined all the Python and, and all the stuff I learned in my master's degree and all the stuff I learned at Caltech. And I got a job in a live TV. So I worked in um, a, a live TV rental company for a bit that was, uh, you know, did things like the big brother show and, and those kind of, you know, those kind of shows. And then I transitioned to Disney feature animation, worked there for a while building film pipelines. Then I, then I moved to Sony and, and a lot of the film pipelines, this is something that's pretty, pretty rare that I, I guess in terms of people don't know is that especially like in the year 
early 2000s film film is probably the most similar thing that exists to data pipelines today almost identical centralized file systems uh linux python all this stuff like we you know i hate to be the guy that's got the gray beard that says like we were doing this before it's like we were doing this before we already did this we already did all the data pipeline stuff then i moved to atlanta was there for a little bit worked for turner studios did some startup stuff. And then I moved to New Zealand uh, for a year, worked on uh, Avatar movie, also film pipelines, high-performance computing, one of the biggest supercomputers in the world. St I still am in contact with many of those people from New Zealand, and they've actually moved into very similar industries, right? Like ML ops, data engineering. Then I went to the Barrier, spent probably about 10 years there, worked at startups, got another master's degree, then started teaching after I finished my startup. And then for probably 2017 or so, so maybe four years straight, I've been just working for myself through a variety of different things. Cool. Yeah, that's the first time I hear about I've done this before. Uh, I mean, when it comes to pipelines, but uh, when it comes like this is a totally different perspective from the movie industry. So that's, uh, that's pretty interesting. Okay, so since 2017, you've been... Uh, going solo, right? You've been solo, like a solopreneur. That's right. Yeah. So who is a solopreneur? Yeah. So what I, what I would define as a solopreneur is that, I mean, after I had finished, uh, you know, working at a startup, really putting a lot of energy into it, I was essentially the first non-founding person to work at the company, essentially. Um, there were some other people there, but like in terms of someone that just went in and built the company from scratch and, uh, it took three years of time and just, I mean, I put, you know, hundred hour weekend and hire all these people and we made money, millions of dollars and all the stuff. And then it just didn't work out. And it, it was a sports social network. And I just was done. I was like, okay, I'm out. I'm going <laughs> to like, because, because I felt like I had put everything in it and many people there too had, they had really succeeded and made money and done all this stuff. Like, wait, why am I doing this for other people? And also why do I want to ask for permission to be successful? Like, why should I ask some venture capitalist if I can work for their company? Or why should I ask my boss, hey, can I make more money? Like how why not I just make money myself? <laughs> so that was that was the emphasis. So I think of solopreneurship just as intentionally being small. So not trying to scale th something to be really, really big. Uh, and in fact, also building an anti-fragile uh, way to make money. So just like with distributed computing, cloud computing, you have load balancers, you have machines, you know, that you're distributing the load. When you, when you're solopreneur, you should always have, you know, ideally maybe three of everything. So three consulting clients, you know, three different things you're doing in software, three things like whatever revenue stream diversify because of the fact that it gives you leverage. And so not necessarily leverage so that you can be a bad person and say, Hey, give me more money, you know, whatever, but it gives you leverage. So if someone's unethical, for example, this is one of the things I was just talking to a friend about even today, even that um, one of the nice things about having diversified revenue is if you don't like the ethics of a company, say bye out <laughs> I'm next. And I think that's one of the best ways that we could change the world is if people don't need to work for a company like, and I, and I could imagine many people in the Bay Area in particular, you know, they're maybe they, they have a, a $2 million mortgage and then they're working for a company they don't like, they know it's bad. 
they know it's hurting the world, destroying it through misinformation, disinformation, and then they have no choice, right? Because they, they have a $2 million mortgage. mortgage. Yeah. And so they have to pretend that like, oh no, we're, we're connecting everybody. It's not bad, you know, like, sure. Like everybody learns about anti-vax through our platform, but you know, I, you have to kind of trick yourself like into, but if you have diverse forms of revenue, you just say, no, not going to work for an ethical company. So to me, that's part of it too, is, is that if you stay small and have distributed forms of income, you can just, I, I think, live a, a, a better life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I heard about the book called uh, the company of one. I haven't read, read that book. Um, well, I read uh, like a summary, short summary. And I think the idea there is very similar to what you said. So you don't, you intentionally want to be small. So you don't want to be like the biggest company in the world or like you, you don't have these ambitions. So you just want to, uh, you know, be small and uh, earn enough for to sustain like a good um, lifestyle, right? And, uh, that's the, 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 the same idea, right? Yeah, I think it's very similar. Like, it, it, because the, I think if you look, a lot of people are afraid to say what I say because they, they want to continue to work in tech. I, I'll say whatever I want because I don't care. <laughs> so the, the tech company, if you look at the, a lot of the VC companies, they talk about billion, like Paul Graham's a great example. Billionaires build, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, well, but what are they building? Oh, they're taking people, tricking them into working for less than market rates and then taking the common goods like, in the case of those scooters, just throwing them on the sidewalks, leaving it for people like, no, you, you made the world a better, a worse place by taking something that was free and exploiting it. And a lot of the, the current uh, venture capital world, I'm not, I'm not against venture capital. I love people, capitalism. I love it. I love people making money, being entrepreneurs. I, I don't like the exploitative uh, venture capitalists who say we disrupt. It's like, no, you steal from people and you steal the commons and you exploit people by lowering their income. And it's like, I don't want to do that. So, so to me, that's the opposite of that. I say, no, I don't want to become a billion dollar company through exploiting humans and exploiting, you know, the open spaces like congestion from Uber and Lyft and, and the downtown San Francisco. No, I don't, I don't want to take over the people's sidewalks. You know, like I don't, I don't want to hurt people and make the world a better place or taking truth. Like, you know, Facebook has done completely monopolizing truth, flipping it, turning it in, into falsehoods and then monetizing that. It's like, no, like you don't have to do that. So I, I think that's really the, 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 I think many people, especially post COVID-19, it's like, like, why not just make the world a better place and not work for companies that make it a bad place? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then another thing you mentioned was like, uh, when you work at a company, you depend on somebody making decisions for you. Like if you want to get promoted, like you have to wait till somebody decides to actually give you a raise, right? While if you work for yourself, then yeah, you just, I don't know, find another client or something like that, right? Yeah, no, exactly. Like I think there's a lot of extremely talented people. I mean, just amazingly talented people who are stuck in an org- hierarchical organization where someone that doesn't have as much talent is their boss. And the, the boss's goal is to, to, to have more power. And then all they do all day is they, they, you know, talk to other bosses and then, you know, do this and this and this. And then, so if someone knows what is successful, they have to ask someone's permission to do something that's obviously correct. And, and that's at some point, 
I think if you're extremely talented, like many people I meet is you, you, you say, wait, wait a second. Why would I ask this person to do the right thing? Why don't I just do it? And, and so that's really the idea as well as if you, if you know, you have actual talent skills, you can make money, you can do things, then, then hopefully at some point you ask yourself, wait, why am I asking people to do things? It's just slowing me down from making revenue or, you know, doing things that I want to do. And, and I, and, and so I call this, you know, not asking for permission to be successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm really wondering how does your day look like? So what, what do you do uh, usually? So I, I generally uh, will try to exercise every single day and uh, wake up in the morning, maybe, maybe do like a walk at the beach or, go rock climbing. Like I like to do bouldering, maybe lift weights. I, I find that it's just critical to get, be fit. And, and I could even be, I wish I, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty, uh, pretty fit, but I could even be more fit. Like, I feel like that's one of the things that's really, really important is, is to take care of yourself. So get sleep, take it, you know, wake up, do some exercise. And then after that, I just have a list. I have a list of things I need to do you know, Hey, I need to write on a book chapter or, Oh, I need to, to um, contact this person about this project I'm working on. And so it's just a queue of work and the queue sometimes is very big. Sometimes there's no queue and I, and I process the queue and it's, it's really like a, a prior to prioritization thing. And then I work through that throughout the day. So some days I'll, I'll just decide, Hey, you know, I don't want to do things. Maybe it's a Tuesday. Uh, I was doing a lot of work over the weekend uh, I'll just do nothing. I'll just go sit at the beach. And, and so that's, that's the other thing too, is I, I try to be very careful about, you know, not, not biting off more than I can chew because their work is infinite, right? The, the work is infinite if you work for yourself. And so you need to pace yourself. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And uh, what kind of things you have on your list on your, in your queue? Like you mentioned yeah. the writing a, a chapter then what kind of other things you have there? Yeah, so, so it'll be like, you know, whatever's the most important that week. So it could be, I, I like, I'll, I'll put it on my iPad. I'll just have it right next to me. And I'll say, okay, so after I work out, you know, or maybe even go to the sauna, just, just really kind of be relaxed, start the day. I go, okay, what I need to do? Okay, I look at the iPad and I write it down. I just say, okay, I need to send some emails to these people. Okay, there we go. And I write, then I, oh, I need to set up this, this thing that I'm working on for a project and, or maybe I need to write some code. And I just write a, a list of like, maybe like five things. And then I go through as I work through the day, I just cross off the list and then that's it. That's, that's really the, 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 the plat. Now, if there's something more complex, I wouldn't necessarily put the, the complexity into the to-do list. Uh, I'll put it into a spreadsheet and, you know, I have projects that are very complex projects that take a year to finish, but I'll say work on the project and do this part of the project. So, so that's really just my, like my board It's just a, a very simple iPad and I cross things out. What kind of projects are you working on? Are these clients, client projects, your own projects, uh, like your small businesses or? A whole variety. Like, I mean, so basically a lot of what I, you know, I do, I, I've done different things different years, but, uh, sometimes I'll be, uh, you know, doing, doing training. So I do a lot of, um, work with O'Reilly, a lot of work with other companies as well, like teaching things that, that I know, like ML ops data, you know, data engineering, uh, DevOps, Python. So, so I do a reasonable amount of those kind of projects where you have to say, okay, here's what I'm going to build. 
And then I also am working on courses. So I do a lot of work with Coursera. Um, and so those, those take a while that could, that could take, you know, maybe six months and I'm working with a group of people. We meet every week and we do a little bit more work. Uh, also some consulting projects. So like maybe I'm working with a company and building some solutions for them. So, so I try to, I, and then I have, you know, other things like I teach at universities. And so those, those sometimes I'll have to build a new course or do some, do some curriculum, but I try to keep it so that I, that when you do work for yourself as well, you have to be careful to focus more of your time on exponential versus um, uh, logarithmic work, right? So in the case of, if you're working on something like, in, in my case, a course or a book or something that has exponential potential, right? Because many people could read it, um, you know, or if I put something on YouTube or I put it on LinkedIn, uh, if it's consulting work, that's that's still good. If I'm learning something and I'm and I'm able to apply that later, but I but I cap the consulting type of work so that it probably wouldn't consume more than maybe twenty percent of my available time. I try to do eighty percent of my work is more exponential. I mean, it's not perfect. It's not like I'm perfectly doing this, but in general, I try to limit and cap and be very very selective about the consulting work I do because it's not scalable. Mm-hmm. What I'm wondering, oh, maybe I'm wrong, but this 20% of non-scalable work, is this what makes most of the money or it's actually courses and like it's, uh, it's different? It, it, it depends. I mean, it really, it really depends on, you know, what the year is or, or what, it, what it is I'm working on. I, I think of it more of like if you were going to spin... Um, Like a, like a, a distributed computing job. Let, let's say you spun up many processes on, let's use Python, we'll say multiprocessing module. You, you write a function and then you have a bunch of functions that go into a process pool. It's non-deterministic, right? It could be, oh, maybe this process, it takes like, you know, a long time that consumes a lot of CPU. And then you have another process finished really quick. And then another one's more medium. I think that's the way to think about work is that, If you have some things where you don't necessarily need to be thinking about them uh, and, and they have some form of exponential potential uh, or at least linear or super linear potential, like renting a property out, that's not bad. I mean, it's not exponential potential, but at least maybe linear or, or super linear, uh, right? And, and then you also have some things that are maybe could take a long time to work out. Like if you write a book, I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe it's a dud, maybe, maybe it does nothing. So, so I think that's the trick though, is a very, very similar to, to doing, um, you know, computer science distributed computing is that you have to think about things in terms of uh, you're okay with whatever happens like that, but, but you, but you have lots of different work in parallel happening And, and it just, it doesn't really matter which one is necessarily like a big, a big win. Cause they're, they're, the, the thing that you have to be careful about with, with consulting is it's very tempting to, to, to make, start making a lot of money from a consulting client. And then that's all you do. And then you're not actually a solopreneur anymore. You're working for somebody else. This is called something different. And when you work for someone else, even as a consultant, even if it's a lot of money, let's say half a million dollars a year or a million dollars a year as a consultant, then you can't do anything that's exponential. Like you're, 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 so you don't have, 
you're basically your, your, your virtual machine is the CPU is hundred percent, right? So you can't, you can't spawn any more processes on that machine. That's all it does. So you don't have the opportunity to, to profit from some kind of exponential work. And so that, that's again, why I try to limit the, the consulting to, to be, it's good because you learn things when you do consulting, it's really fun. You make contacts. I love consulting, but, but that you're, you, at least for me personally, I mean, there's people that do consulting and that's all they do, but I want to save most of my time for exponential work. Because I'm an, a book author myself. So I've written three books, two of them are doing pretty bad. So they like last quarter. So my mastering Java for data science book, so like 10 copies were sold probably you know like it's nice to have uh, to uh, to to write a book but uh, then if nobody buys it so it's not like uh, you know what are the best sellers uh, right now so i'm not making any money from this book so then another book that i have is like um, maybe i have 300 uh, yeah 300 per month from this book so it's also not impressive um, mm-hmm. yeah so that's why like if you invest a lot in these exponential things, but not of them necessarily give you exponential return at the end. Yeah, I think, I, and so I think that's that's a good thing you bring up, which is that there is no silver bullet, right? Like, so uh, $300 a month, for example, is probably not going to make many people be able to survive, but what if you had, Ten three hundred dollar a month, yeah, that's, right? Then that's the, now, that's... now it's interesting, right? Now, now it's interesting. Now, but but this is, I think, the dilemma of this the cold start problem. It's like it's like saying you're building a, a company and you want to get a bunch of users, and, and you say, hey, we have such awesome technologies. People would love the thing we built, but no one, no one's here. No one's, no one's using it. Yeah, you have to. That's that's the hard part. <laughs> that's that's the that's the hard part is that. There, and there, there's probably no perfect formula for, for how do you, how it could take, you know, it could take a few, a few years. It could take, and, and it could be that maybe a book does nothing and who cares if the book does nothing. If you, if you're very like opportunistic, because there's other things you could do that are beyond just writing a book, like, right. You could write an application on the iOS store and put it there. Who knows? Maybe mm-hmm. someone buys it. Like, so it, it but, but it's, it's really the, I think it's more of a mindset which is that do you want, it's a little bit like the, if, if anyone's heard of them, the movie, the Shawshank Redemption, where, you know, the, the lead, the lead person in, in the, in the movie, Tim Robbins is falsely uh, imprisoned for life in a, in a very bad prison and bad things happen to him. And then he, he, he works for a while. He works for a long time, digs his way out with a spoon and escapes. And I think the thing about, escaping from working for unethical corporate companies is, is, is you should think of the movie, the Shawshank redemption and, and you need to build the poster and you need to use the spoon and he, and it's going to take some time and you're, you're going to need to dig that tunnel. But, but, but what, what do you have now? You're free. You, you so freedom isn't like that. They, they have the expression freedom isn't free. Like if you want to be able to wake up every morning look at the sun, walk at the beach, walk in the park, decide what it is you want to work. Like it will, it will require sacrifice. And so if you don't want to be free, just stay in prison, just stay inside 
just like the other character that went back to prison. Yeah. Okay, so to to sum up, so what you're doing is uh, you're doing courses uh, like Coursera and then also universities. Then you're doing a lot of training and teaching through um, O'Reilly, like about MLOps, data engineering, and then you also do a bit of consulting. So you try to uh, devote twenty percent of time to consulting, and then the rest uh, would go to your teaching activities. Right? Is there anything- exactly? Is there yeah, anything- no, and there's more. Yeah, there's more. And, and so the other thing too is then, so that's that's the formula. And I, I think anybody could have their own formula. You, you don't have to, there's nothing magical about that that for formula. In fact, you could you could only do consulting. And, and, and especially now, I would recommend if you only did consulting, maybe you have, um, maybe you have three, maybe you have three consulting uh, your clients that and, and that and you could do very well. Like maybe you. And in fact, I was watching a really good show uh, called Comedians and Cars, and Jay Leno was on it. And it, and you can listen, learn a lot about solopreneurship by watching that show. Listen very, very carefully because a comedian is very similar. They're doing the same thing. They're they're they they make money on shows. That's what I do, right? Or like a book or a course but they also do it in person. So they have to, they have to do the work, right? They have to teach it. They have to learn, learn the material. And then Jay Leno may have a, like a kind of a contract or consulting job with his tonight show. And what he said is he always banks one job and works another. So one job he puts in the bank. And so that's, that's the other part of the trick is that. So, so yeah, I have money, right? I have, I put money in the bank and it's in investments. And I also have, you know, other projects that I'm working on that, that pay out. So you know, real estate, stocks, you know, cash, all those kind of things that the more you have of that, the more chances you can take and the more flexibility you have to work on exponential things. So I think if you don't have some kind of a reserve of cash and have low expenses. So, you know, if you're living in the Bay area paying $7,000 a month to rent a house in, you know, Marin County, um, probably should move, probably should move, right? Because you, 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 you're now all of your money is going to, to pay for your living expenses where you could potentially have very low living expenses. And then you have a lot more flexibility to, to work on other things. Where do you live now? Atlanta? Or? Uh, I live, I live in um, uh, North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina. Okay. So it's, uh, is it cheaper than Bay Area? Much cheaper. <laughs> oh, like, a, like it, I would say like, you know, 25% of the Bay Area, probably. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's nice. Um, we have uh, quite a lot of questions. And uh, the, the first question sure. is have, well, we have is, uh, how do you structure your day? I think we talked a bit about that. But the other part of the question, how you set your goals and go about uh, them. So, um, like, uh, yeah. do you have any system for, you know, like this thing, uh, has exponential uh, um, like potential right so i should yeah, yeah. i mean I, definitely i mean i would i try to i would say the two things i mean again this is just for me and it would be very different for other people is that i try to focus my time teaching one of the reasons i'm teaching is it's not very lucrative i mean no one makes money almost nothing teaching but the reason i do it is a it's it's enjoyable so it makes me happy because i'm helping people and i'm also learning what people want to want to know um and so so that's one component is i get that as a as a 
I, I kind of learn what it is I need to teach people. But then in terms of choosing my goals, yeah, I think exponential you know, potential would be a big one. So if so, if I have a two, two projects, one project is, Hey, you know, I, I want you to work on this thing that, um, you know, 500 people will, will see for my special new startup platform, or, Hey, you can develop a Coursera course that we could reach, you know, I don't know how many people on a Coursera, like 200 million people Then I choose Coursera because there's, <laughs> there's 200 million people. Uh, so, so definitely the, the scale is a huge component in choosing the goals. But then also, as I mentioned before, um, not to be self-righteous or anything, but like, like I also, if, if I feel like there's unethical technology, I don't have a huge list here. I'm not like, a, like I have like, oh, I won't do this and this is, but like, again, Facebook's a good one. Like anything to do with Facebook, like, nope, next, <laughs> right? So I, I wanna have some capacity when my goals were like, am I, am I making the world a better place or am I destroying it? I'm fortunate to be in the place where I can choose to not work on things that I feel like are destroying the, the world. So that's, that's the, the ethical component, the exponential component. And then also like, also if like, are, you know, is there a capacity for me to, to work on things asynchronously? So if, if someone's like, Hey, we're, even if someone was going to pay me a lot of money and they're like, yeah, you're going to need to show up to a meeting. I don't know, two hours a day, every single day for the next year, I'd say, no, sorry. I, I just don't want to do that. I, I don't, I don't want to just show up and like, no matter how much money you give me, like, uh, I mean, there probably would be a, a limit where I would probably say, well, temporarily I'll do it, but I just don't want to show up and sit in a meeting where I do nothing. Like, so, so I also try to focus more on asynchronous work as well. Mm -hmm. So, and then when you feel like not working, you would just spend time on, on the beach. Instead exactly. of sitting on the meeting. Yeah. And how how do you keep focus and motivation? Because when you work alone, it's uh, sometimes it's hard. Yeah, and it's true. I mean, it's, I think it's the thing is it's it's you don't have to be perfect, right? I mean, like sometimes one week I will be as not as productive. And then some some weeks I'll be really, really productive. And so I think part of it is just being okay with with the fact that you don't have to be perfect. You I mean And then I think the other, other alternative, the other part of it is that naturally, you know, as you, you, you get projects, you have to finish it. I mean, it's like, if you think about most people, they brush their teeth every day and they take a shower and like, you know, like you have no choice, you have to do this, right? Like if you're, if you're working on a project and it's got a deadline, you have to do it. There's, I mean, so there isn't like really a lot of wiggle room in terms of, uh, of stuff. So that's probably one of them as well. Uh, and then I think also if you're happy about the thing you're working on, and that's why I mentioned that not being involved in meetings and like, you know, BS work or like the people you're working with are, are very unpleasant or unethical, then like, yeah, it's not going to be motivational. Like, you know, if, if someone's like, Hey, let's figure out a way to spread even more uh, anti-vaccine information on Facebook. And we're going to like really get grandma to like click on this link that like, make sure not take the vaccine. It's like, no, I think I'm not going to do that. <laughs> like I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on, on stuff that makes me happy. I feel like I'm doing, you know, good work. And I think that's a big part of it is if you're able to be really happy about what you're working on, the, the motivation will come. Mm -hmm. And uh, how much uh, time do you spend working every week? Like on average, is it more uh, than 40 or less? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say, I would say probably 40, 50 hours is probably what I work. 
mm-hmm. on average. It could be it could be really wild. For, for, I mean, mostly 40, 50, but maybe one week I work 10. But and then some weeks maybe I work 80. But but typically it, it would be yeah, 40, 50. Because mm-hmm. I imagine if you're working on a book and then there is also a course and then there is also a client. And uh, I know that maybe for you it's easier because you've written uh, many books but sometimes like for me it's i i was struggling a lot with writing because i know that hey now the publisher is pressuring me and i really Mm -hmm. need to sit down and write it but it's just so difficult for me to sit down and write it and then there is also this other project like the client is uh, i don't know messaging you saying hey when we would be ready and then you also have a course and then people are waiting for this course and then yeah so uh, I yeah, I, 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 I've been, you know, oh yeah, I've had all that. But what I would, I would say, what I, what I think about, I think it's just, it's just a, a perspective. Is that whatever I think about that, it's like, oh, I got to do this course, and I got to do this, and I got this, all this stuff. Oh, the way I think about it is like the suffering that I'm undergoing, you know, of like, wow, I really feel pressure, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's actually like a reminder of how good my life is. So, so like the fact that the um, people want me to do work for them. And I have all these different projects that I don't have a boss. It's almost like a reminder. It's like, Hey, remember, you don't have a boss. You can do anything you want. Oh, okay. (laughs) And then it's like, I'm happy. It's like, Oh, I get to work really hard. Yay. This is great. So I think it's just a way of looking at it is like the more pressure you're on under when you're working for yourself, that that's actually, that that's a sign that you're, you're successful. Okay. And uh, then since you don't have a boss, you can just say, you can just stop working on this at any time, right? Yeah, just do what you want. I mean, do do you know? Try your best, and like if if you know, obviously you can't just not do things. But like you know, things happen, and you can always tell someone if you're really really overwhelmed, you just can't finish it. You just be honest and say, hey, you know, I'm a little bit slow on this one. I really apologize. I'm never late most of the time. You know, give me a couple more weeks. I'm finishing up this other project. Yeah, just there's nothing to you know. It's yourself, right? You 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 can just you can be as nice to yourself as you want. You can be mean to yourself or you can be nice to yourself. Why not be nice? Okay. Yeah. So um, uh, since you, how many books uh, have you written so far? Um, I think we're uh, eight books, maybe. I think I've written eight books. I've done three for O'Reilly, one for Pearson, and then I did four self-published books. Mm-hmm. So I think it's about eight. Oh, cool. So how does the, like, what's your self-publishing experience? Like, is it better? I think, I think self-publisher. I I think, you know, there obviously are benefits to doing uh, with a publisher. I mean, I would say I'd probably prefer to, to have a combination of both where I I would say every 18 months or so, I I, want to try to publish like a a book with a publisher, right? At least for me, which is, which is maybe a very unusual. I don't think most people that's even probably a good advice, right? Because it's a very specialized uh, thing to do. But part of it is that I'm, I'm as a consultant, I, I, I'm spending all my time trying to be at the cutting edge. And so I like, I like working with publishers like O'Reilly. I really like that company. I think they're ethical. I like the founder of O'Reilly. I like the president Overall, like everyone, they're very, very good people to work with. So it's fun for me eh, every 18 months. Now, if I'm also just happen to be working on something and it makes it easy to put it into a book, yeah, why not? So, so I think of the self-publishing more of like kind of uh, like accidental out- products, 
you know, where it's like, Hey, I already have this stuff. Why don't I just put it into a book? And then the publishing stuff is a little more intentional and a little more serious. And I think the quality definitely improves when, when you have really, really talented people like O'Reilly, for example, working with you. Yeah, and also pressure from the publisher, I guess, helps. Because uh, like if I didn't have a publisher for my last book, I don't think I would have finished it. Like I would just give up. But then since they were constantly uh, writing me saying, hey, what's the, how is this chapter five going? Then yeah, one day I'll just would sit and finally finish it. Yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt. I think, again, it, I don't know if it's maybe good advice to tell people, hey, write a bunch of books. Because as you mentioned, like, eh, I think it's probably a lower probability of like a lot of income. It's more prestige when you when you write a book. But for me, which is in a very specialized, unique area that I'm in, I just happen to be spending all my time learning the latest stuff. And so it's an artifact of what I'm already doing to, to write books. And to, yeah, so the, uh, the question that we have is also about the book. So the question is, how do you plan books? Because it takes a lot of time. And then on, like you have a topic, let's say MLOps, uh, your latest mm -hmm. one, um, your latest book. So then this is a topic, like a big thing, right? And then you somehow need to chunk it to understand which chapters are there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then for each chapter, you need to put something concrete. So how do you go about doing this? Yeah, I think that's a good question. The, the step one, you must do an outline, must. If you don't build an outline, you will not build a book. Um, so that's by far the most important part. And it's pretty easy, like um, when you, if you want to flush out, if, if anyone ever wants to write a book with you and you want to figure out if they're serious or not, just ask them to help build an outline the people that will never write anything won't do it. <laughs> so that's an obvious one. Like it's a great way to weed people out. Once you got the outline, then uh, I personally like to build projects first. So I would build some projects for the chapter, maybe put those in GitHub. And then once I build the projects, then to me, the, the book writes itself, right? And then you just go through, you just grab what you're working on. You, you say this and this and this, especially if you're already you know, doing that work, like let's say you're working at Twitch, for example, and you're a backend engineer. I just happen to know someone that works at Twitch. We're a backend engineer and you're doing a bunch of stuff with HTTP APIs and you're already doing this documentation for work and you're doing all this stuff. Like you already wrote it. <laughs> it's, it you may not be exactly, but like you wrote it somewhere already and or it's in your mind. Just do this. I think a lot of times people they, they get stuck and they hurt themselves mentally. They're like, oh no, it's so stressful. But it's like, wait, don't reinvent something. That, that's the other part is like, don't, don't do work really hard. Do things you already know how to do that people, you think that people won't think it's interesting because, because they're not in your brain. <laughs> but, but most people don't know what's in your brain. And so you just need to take what's in your brain, put it on the piece of paper, and so I would say those are probably the, the main tips that I would have. Yeah, it sounds easy, but uh, taking something out of your brain and putting this on paper takes time. And uh, yeah, so how often do you publish books? Like, is it every year? I think you said every year and a half, right? Yeah, year, year and a half. I, I, that's like, like, I think for me, it's like the last several years, I've definitely done that, at least a book a year. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it's, again, it's more of like a, like a, um, a combination of, it's enjoyable to me to do it. And 
like I have the time to do it. And th that's part of my strategy of just forcing, it, it's really like a goal. It's like, so if you said to someone, Hey, why do you run marathons? Like I, I, most people know someone that's run a marathon. Like, why do you do it? Well, it's just something to do, right? Like, it's like, I train, I train for the marathon and I have a race at the end of the year. And like, it keeps me like, it's just like kind of a, a fun thing to do to, to stay in shape is to run a marathon. I think writing a book, if, if you do become someone like me and like writing a bunch of books, it's just a great way to be relevant, right. And stay up to date is just keep writing a book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So still taking uh, stuff out of, out of your brain and then putting on paper requires uh time right and then also practice and skill and then uh, yeah actually you become better at this yeah well i mean it's, it's the same like if, if if again if anyone's ever run a marathon the the it's not that the marathon is actually difficult i've run seven that um it's that you think it's difficult but the real issue is that it's self-discipline like you just have to get your body used to running for a couple hours probably and once you can run for a couple hours you can run a marathon and so it's, it's really like just the feedback loop of, oh, yeah, it's actually not that bad. Because a lot of running a marathon in particular is that your mind is like telling you, this is bad. Your body hurts so bad. No, stop this. You know, it's like it's tricking you. It's tricking you, telling you like, oh, this is all. But it, it doesn't hurt. It's not bad. And it's relaxing. And you can just run and run for a couple hours and just relax. Same thing. Like really, a book is not that bad. But it's, it's you think it's bad. <laughs> and so you torture yourself. But, but actually you just have to do it. You just have to put it onto paper. Um, but, it, but the more you do it, the more, the more you realize like, yeah, of course it takes some effort, but it's not as bad as I, I think people think the more you do it. Yeah, so there is a, a question about distributed income. And uh, so um, sure. And the, the, the question is about, can you give some tips how to get this distributed income? I think we already talked uh, about books, right? Which is uh, one, uh, piece of a puzzle let's sure. say so like because you let's say you have eight of them it contributes something every month a little bit. right sure. yeah. some book do well some books maybe don't but overall eight books together make something right uh, and how do you go about you know other pieces uh... i mean just any like i i do youtube videos i make some money on that i publish content to o'reilly i make some money on that uh, it's just a it's just basically an accumulation like if you're if you're not in a hurry to make money, then you, then it's much easier to make money. If 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 you're if I think the the way to never make money from distributed income is to think like you're a salaried employee, right? Because when you're a salaried employee, it's like oh, I must make two hundred thousand dollars a year. I can't live in the Bay Area, but that's the wrong way to think for distributed income. What you should be thinking is how can I make two hundred thousand dollars a year in ten pieces. And, and it may take five years or it may take three years to do it. And it doesn't, and it's even better if they're not related. Like, so, you know, a book, yeah, maybe, maybe a book is a little bit, maybe. So let's say you need to make $10,000 a month, uh, maybe a thousand bucks from books comes in, but, but what else could you do? Right. You could, you could also build an app, right? Maybe the app gets lucky. Maybe it does 2000 a month. Oh, now you're at 3000. Okay. Now, it's like points on the board in a, a basketball game. Okay. Well, what's next? Well, maybe you could, you could buy a duplex and then you do a little consulting first and you build up a lot of money. You, you buy a duplex, you rent out one side. Oh, no, now you have another 2000. Now you're up to 5,000. And then eventually you add up the pieces and they're all different and co 
they're, they're unrelated, right? So the real estate market all of a sudden goes, oh, it's horrible. Who cares? You have the other money. Likewise, the book, nobody buys your books. Who cares? You have the real estate money. So that's, that, that's kind of the idea is to be patient and to think about it. It may take a while. It may take a while to build up all the things. Uh, but also, it's, I think it's much, much better to not go all in on one thing because anything can happen. And, 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 and part of it, again, is probably lowering your income lowering your um, expenses by moving somewhere cheap and also uh, saving, if possible, a bunch of income. If you are working at some fang company or something like that, I mean, like if you could move, bank the majority of your money, and then you have a pool of cash, way easier to do all kinds of distributed income because you have a, it's, it's a lot like, like in California, they have um, all these droughts. But if you, if you think about it, like how does the whole water system work? You have a lake inside of the lake, it's full of water and there's water coming out and there's water coming in to the lake, right? And so you need a lot of water in the lake if the water's coming out, right? And, and so you need to put uh, lots of streams feeding into the lake. So I, I think that's another analogy is like the, the bigger your lake is, the, the more time you have to find other streams to put into the lake. The smaller the lake is, the more the more chances you have to take and potentially get yourself in trouble. So it is helpful to have a, a pool of, of money while you're getting started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So but do you need to be financially independent to, to start? Like, do you need to have, I don't like, so, or you can start with uh, being uh, like a full-time employee? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I, I, I think, yeah. Why take chances for no reason? It, it would be like the same thing. If we go back to that movie, Shawshank Redemption, like, it's like, can you, can you escape prison, um, you know, without digging a tunnel? Yeah, you can, but what if you get caught? <laughs> right? Like, so, so it could be very risky. Right. It, it, but, but what he did was, it was, I think the right strategy is, Hey, it's going to take his time. This is take his time. He's still, he's still pretending like he's happy every day. He's friends with the warden of the prison. Just again, be happy with your boss. Meanwhile, you're slowly digging through the tunnel with a spoon Every day you take it out to the yard, drop it off into the dirt, but you, there's no rush. Mm -hmm. And uh, what could be this tunnel for somebody working as a full-time employee? So book course or consulting yeah, uh, geek or? Bo bo all book consulting. I mean, and again, I think that that's why having low expenses and a lot of money in the bank, like the more money, the better you, 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 you can, um, you, you can basically start to put streams into, I mean, if, here's another example, like if you have enough money in the bank, you could buy a, a stock that gives you dividends, you're done. <laughs> like, right. You could get 5% from it in dividends per year. Right. So there's a lot of little streams that you can put in, uh, into it. But I, I think a lot, I think from a, a risk reward perspective, yeah. Why, why blow yourself up and quit your job and all this stuff. If you have lots of expenses mm -hmm. is it's much better to slowly build stuff. Yeah. Make it network with people, find out some consulting clients that you can work with, you know, um, maybe do a little bit on the side, have a, have a side gig, maybe build an app, maybe build a book, um, you know, maybe do rental property. I, I, I think again, the more different it is than what you do in, in some sense, the better, like if you, if you had, money in investments, like, you know, index funds or something. And then you had money in stocks. And then you also had some consulting projects and all that was happening it, while you're working at a full-time company. 
and then you also have you know a good reserve there and low expenses, a lot more flexibility to, to try things out. Um, but yeah, I think it's not necessarily an, an either or situation where you have to say, Hey, I want to work for myself. And so like, I'm going to just go all in and, and like live off a credit card. I, I, I think that's actually a very bad idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, what about like, let's say you work already 40 hours per week or whatever, maybe 50, 60 hours per week on a, at a company, right. For somebody. And then how do you find time to actually do all these things you mentioned well i guess yeah, one great... thing uh, yeah so if you have money you can invest uh, the money what if you don't have money well uh, so let's ta- tackle both at the same time or, or one at a time so first one is that in terms of what would you do if your company makes you work a lot of hours one is just work less <laughs> like just just don't don't work don't work 40 hours a week what are they gonna do fire you mm-hmm. say no I, I work 40 hours a week that's it. That's one potential. If that's not an option, just hopefully you're able to just quit, get a job where you can work 40 hours a week. And then the problem solves itself. I think sometimes a simple solution is obvious. And, uh, I think maybe startups in general are a very bad bet for, for most people. If you're financially independent, yeah, okay. Maybe a startup is okay. But if you're not financially independent and you live paycheck to paycheck, like why work at a startup? Why not just work somewhere that you don't have to work 60 hours a week where you work 40 and then now you have 20 hours a week to spend on yourself. So I, I think that's a big part of it. Another one is get rid of the commute, right? So go, go somewhere where you can work remote. I mean, commute could be two hours a day. Um, so I think you can definitely figure out a way to work less uh, at your job and also just be better at it, especially if you're remote. I mean, I think most software engineers could probably work four hours a day and be totally fine. And then you have, an, you have the rest of the day to do whatever you need to do. As long as you're really efficient, you know, zoned in, you're caffeinated, you're ready to go, just get your work done. Um, so that's one, one part of it. The second one, yeah, with if you don't have any money, I would say it's pretty simple. Profit and loss, right? Is if you don't have a lot of money, in my opinion, get out of somewhere expensive immediately. Mm-hmm. Go to the cheapest place you can. Again, because it's a, it's, a, it's a goal. Delete your, your expenses to 25%. Then now that you have low expenses, now you have money and then start putting that money into the bank and save it. I mean, that's, that's the easiest possible way to do it and then start building more projects. Mm-hmm. But I imagine, um, let's say you work in the Bay Area and you have to live there, right? If you go to some other place, then the salaries you have there are lower. Well, now I guess with the remote uh, work thing, it's uh, better, but still, hmm. Like in the Bay Area, you get more money, but you have to pay more to live there. I mean, if if that's true, I mean, well, I don't think that's the case. I think anybody that's in the Bay Area can move. But let's just say, let's take the experimental argument there. I would say, okay, then move to a bad part of the Bay Area. That's cheap, right? <laughs> okay. And move, move into a smaller uh, house and take another job where you have to work less. Because again, it's like, are you betting on yourself or are you betting on other people? To, to me, I, I think many talented people should bet on themselves, not their company. Mm-hmm. And not, not that I have anything wrong with companies, I, although I will say that I think we're at a weird period, period of time where I think you look at the, the just insane CEO to, to employee ratio. I, I don't know what the person, the CEO of Google makes, but it's, it's to, com- completely ridiculous. Like, why should the CEO of Google make, I don't know, a thousand times what an employee makes? So the contract is broken. Now, if, if the companies made 
more, more things like, like a, you know, I don't know, 50 times, or, or they had a, a little bit more of a reasonable, you know, way that they, they, they compensated people's salary, I think it would be different. But I, I, then I would say, okay, maybe you should work at a company for a little bit longer, but I, I personally think it's broken. And so why would you bet on this company? Like they're paying the CEO a thousand times what they're paying you. They don't care about you. Why don't you just bet on yourself? And so, yeah, it's going to take, you're going to have to juggle things around, but do you have an option? It's like the guy again in Shawshank Redemption, like it, it's, it's like, Hey, well, I don't like it that I'm in prison. Well, you're in prison. <laughs> like, I mean, you, you can't like magically aliens can't come from outer space and transport you to a new planet. You're in prison. What are you gonna do about it? Right. And so what, what he did about it was he dug his way out. So mm -hmm. it's, it's going to take some, some stuff to, to do, but you can do it if, if you're motivated and, and you're patient. Okay. So, um, Let's get back to this person who wants to get out of the full-time job yeah. and uh, you know start being a solopreneur. Yeah. So you said like put money in the bank, start investing, right? Uh, then you can work on courses, on books, and then you also mentioned you can start getting consultant uh, consultant gigs, right? Like consult people. Um, and uh, yeah, so once you have these things, when is the right time? Like how do you know it's time to quit? And uh, when you have enough money or yeah. Yeah. I think if you, that's a good way to do it, right? If you have, if you have enough money where you feel like you can, you, you, you're not putting yourself into financial jeopardy, then I think that's a good time that, that you can, you can quit your job because you, you, there's now like a balancing act where if you, once you know, you have the ability to make money, then the more time you're at a company, you're, you're, you're losing your own money, right? Like that, that's the one where it's obvious. It's like, wait a second. I'm making way more money on the stuff I'm doing on the side than I'm doing at my company. And I don't like my company and like, it's just not exciting. Like, <laughs> why am I here? That, 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 that's the, the obvious time to quit. Mm -hmm. Do you think uh, building network is important for being a solopreneur? Yeah, I think it's very important. I think you, you, you need to be able to have trusted people you work with. Like, so I think that's one of the benefits of having a career is that you get to know people, you know, who's good, who's bad, you know, you, 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 you build a network. So I think while you are working at a company, I think my, my recommendation would be, and this is probably non-conventional. I would say, do not be a middle manager. I think it's very, especially for solopreneurship, avoid any form of management at all because you're deleting your value. And so if you're able to focus on your skills get, be as good as possible at your company. Be so good at your company that the people are just terrified if you, you left because of how competent you are and, and how good you are and reliable you are. And that helps build your network. And then also helps build your skill. Like a good example would be, you know, comedians, right? Again, if we go back to them, I think they're so fascinating for the, for, to look at for technical people is, is the, the person that's booking a famous comedian like Jerry Seinfeld, who cares about that person? Nobody cares about the manager. Nobody cares. They want to see Jerry Seinfeld do a comedy special, right? So the same thing. If you think that the extra $10,000 a year, $20,000 a year you make as a manager, it is, is, does anything, you're, you're mistaken because you're deleting your value, right? Like if Jerry Seinfeld started managing other comedians instead of you know, improving his comedy, no one would care. So that, that I think is also really critical as you're moving is, is impress people 
and get very good at what you do so that you're extremely valuable. Because what may happen as well is that the opportunity may present itself in the company because another person wants to do some kind of side project and hire you to do it. They're like, wow, you're the smartest person in the company at this. And, and then because you're just so impressive, then they give you a consulting job. It may just come to you. Mm-hmm. So the, basically uh, the, the best tip for uh, building network is be good at things. Do not go into middle management and just talk to people around you. Right? Exactly. And uh, I guess be visible because if you're good at something, then you also should tell people about that. Right? Otherwise they will not find uh, out about you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why writing a book is, is helpful. Right. Uh-huh. So just be, and I like, like, yeah, just be so good that, that people know who you are and, you know, but maybe, yeah, maybe that's why you write the book. Uh, but also in, in, when you're at your work as well, avoid, you know, cause again, if your mission is to escape the prison, avoid anything that is uh, counterproductive to that goal. So like engaging in useless meetings, office, you know, water cool chatter, like company retreats, anything that's optional, just delete, get better, just get better, <laughs> improve yourself because you, you're, you're doing something different. Everyone else is still walking around the prison. You're, you got to go back to your cell and open up that poster and just start digging through because, because you got to get out. Yeah. So I, I see that we should be wrapping up, but I have uh, one question that I really wanted sure. to ask you. Um, how did you get into university and start teaching there? Let's say somebody wants like, uh, like I, for example, I want to go to university and start teaching while still working, or I don't know how it happened to you. Like, how can people do this? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think, I mean, part of it is, is exactly the advice I just said is be good at what you do and then people will reach out to you. That's right. So if you're really, really good at a, a subject and you were, and, and then you stay in touch with your professors, right. And you're networking and you write a book on it. Then my case is just a professor came to me they're like, Hey, you teach machine learning. Can you teach this class? There we go. And you just teach a class. So I think just be very good network with your professors, write a book. And it's very likely someone may come to you and, and, and that's an easy way to, to teach at a university. Okay. Sounds like writing a book is helpful. It could be helpful. Yeah. It could be very helpful for, for that things. reason. Yeah. For many things. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned networking, you know, like for consulting, then for teaching and, uh, and when you teach you network even more because then exactly. students know you and uh, like you have this exponential effect, right? It's just like a comedian. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Do you want to say anything else uh, before we wrap up? Like no, any advice? Just happy. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just be really good. <laughs> be okay. good at what you do. I think that's the best advice I could give somebody and bet on yourself. Mm-hmm. So how, how can people find you? Uh, LinkedIn is great. You can go to LinkedIn, Noah Gift. Uh, happy to connect with you. Uh, NoahGift.com is also great. Okay. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks for your time. Thanks for sharing your story with us. Uh, thanks for telling, uh, sharing your experience with us. And also thank you everyone for joining us today for asking questions. And yeah, that's, uh, I guess that's it. Okay, great. Yeah, I got I to gotta go to another thing. So I appreciate it. <laughs> yes. <Okay. laughs> Goodbye. Okay, bye.